Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into It Chapter 2 in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. If you listened to last week, Friday's episode, that was my review episode for It Chapter 2, and this is statistics. I mentioned in in the review episode kind of where I expected my rating for the film to end up. I thought it would be low 50s, maybe high 40s, and it's not that high. Uh, This has happened a couple of times now where I get to the actual rating, you know, I was 20, 30, 40 films behind in... Uh, entering stuff into my spreadsheet and so by the time I actually got to it chapter two and putting that in uh, you know I had a little more time to reflect think about the movie talk about it with more people so on and so forth and it just it just keeps getting a little little worse each time I think about it and that's you know the opposite of what you want your film to do so with that in mind uh, let's let's just jump into the statistics and kind of hash it out that way it colon chapter two although i've seen it formatted as just it chapter two without a colon and i don't like that at all uh 2019 film i saw it september 5th 2019 it is two hours and 44 minutes long my brief synopsis everyone returns to Derry to face pennywise again pretty straightforward um at the end of the first film Pennywise was defeated, but not destroyed, and here we are 27 years later, and he has resurfaced, and so everyone goes back and has to do it all again, almost literally. Ended up ended up giving this a 36. Um, so, for those unfamiliar with my rating system, uh, 25 is the... 24 slash 25 is the cutoff point between awful and just bad for me. And so 36, it's a bad movie. Uh, I think I said in my review that I'm not like, it's not bad. I I think it is bad. I I think it's a a poor continuation of a story that had a great, not at a very good start. And uh, this, it's, it's pretty, pretty disappointing. Kind of a letdown. A lot of a letdown. It has a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. uh, And this currently ranks at 107th for me out of all 2019 films. And 5,873rd out of everything I've seen. Uh, It's currently not on the top 250 for IMDb. And will probably never be there. It does have a 3 on the Bechdel test. uh, Specifically... While Beverly is the only female member of the Losers Club, she does visit uh, her old apartment, which is now inhabited by a new woman, an older lady. And while a lot of what they talk about is about uh, Beverly's father and the woman's father and so forth, they do talk about dairy in general at points. And, yeah. Three. It's rated R. It is a drama. Currently ranked 2,943rd out of all dramas. It is fantasy. Ranked 622nd out of all fantasy films, and it's horror. 
ranked 336th out of all horror films. Uh, pretty big disparity uh, for a film ranked rated 36 to be almost half as or twice as low uh, in fantasy as it is in horror, and then five times lower than fantasy it in uh, in the drama category. Just goes to show how many films get are considered dramas. It is the second film in the It series, which presumably will be the last of the films in the It series. First one came out in 2017. They're four. They are now four hours and 4.88 hours total to watch them together. Uh, they have an average of average rating of 56, giving the first one a 76, and this new one a 36. Pretty steep drop. Steep drop. All right, <clears throat> let's move on to some of the people involved in the film. Uh, it chapter two. Oh my goodness. It chapter two. There we go. Andy Muschietti, I think, from Argentina, is the director. He was the director on the first film. This is the third film of his that I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 42.33. It is his only film, rated between 25 and 49, and second best movie overall, coming in behind it and ahead of Mama. He has a value of negative 2, a score of 23.4, to be ranked 1,520th overall, one spot behind Mark Robson, and one spot ahead of... Robert Pulsini, uh, who is one of the directors on American Splendor. Muschietti, and I talked about this in, review, in the review, the, the atmosphere and, and the tone and the, the dynamic between the characters in the first hit was pretty perfect. It was fun uh, when it needed to be. It balanced the horror elements with the sort of coming-of-age kid side of the movie very well and the opening scene is the best scene in the franchise uh with with georgie and the storm drain there are just there are a lot of positives in the first hit and i really applauded you know the way machete you know took a film with unknowns basically and made something captivating made something that drew so much attention to it uh, I think he did a he did a great job there. In this one, he kind of goes the opposite direction. Now he has a cast that is stacked with a ton of names that people recognize, and all of the feeling, all of the emotion, all the attachment, all the the empathy to these characters is just completely gone. Uh, and every time we try, every time the movie tries to to recapture that, it either has to rely on repeating things that we saw in the first movie or flashing back to the characters uh, to the actors from the first movie to the kids from the first movie whether that's in a scene that we've already seen before or something or a flashback that's new and um neither both times those things did not work for me <clears throat> the writing uh of course stephen king as the author of the book, this is the 23rd film of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 49.26. It is his seventh film, rated between 25 and 49, and 15th best movie overall, coming in behind Apt Pupil and ahead of Pet Cemetery. And I don't know which Pet Cemetery it is, uh, but uh, they're both rel relatively in the same spot. So 
Pet Cemetery. He has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 38.82, to be ranked 777th overall, one spot behind Yon Sang Ho, <clears throat> who wrote on Train to Busan, and one spot ahead of Bruce Joel Rubin, who wrote Oscar winning writer for Ghost. <clears throat> Uh, but Stephen King, not the only person on the film. You also have Gary Dauberman. This is the sixth film of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 40.5. It's his second film, rated between 25 and 49, and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Annabelle Colon Creation and ahead of The Nun. He has a value of negative 5, a score of 25.38, to be ranked 2,730th overall. <clears throat> Excuse me. One spot behind E.L. Dr. Rao, who wrote in ragtime and one spot ahead of oscar winning writer john briley for gandhi <clears throat> those are the two writing credits on it chapter two i haven't read the book i don't know you know how the book is laid out i don't know the formatting of the book i don't know what's taken and added from book to screen uh the really only thing i know that was missing in the first movie is uh, the illicit scene that happens after the defeat of Pennywise that, you know, was like all over the film, Twitter, you know, articles and stuff when the first it came out uh, as like, you know, it's pretty crazy, but think uh, think of how much crazier it would be if they'd left this scene in and talked about it. Uh, outside of that, I don't really know anything about the book, how, it's, how it works. It Chapter 2... I don't know. I mean, it had kind of a it had a steep hill to climb, for sure. You know, th there's a lot of things that the first movie did that, for me, the second movie shouldn't have done, because we've seen it all before, and yet it does the same th the same things. It does a lot of the same um, getting the band back together type of tropes, and a lot of the horror elements are very similar to the first movie. And that's just lazy writing. Uh, whether that's Stephen King's fault or Gary Dauberman's fault or whoever, you know, it's just very lazy to, you know, if 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 it's you know if you're watching these back to back, it's just like I would much rather watch the first it twice than watch it and it two. Anytime, like hands down, because one, I'm going to get pretty much the same story. And two, I'm going to get a much better told, less repetitive, less, um, you know, less devoid of creativity version of that story when I look in the first it. Uh, which is interesting because Gary Dauberman was a writer on the first one. So, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's just adapting the book, I guess. So blame it Stephen King's feet, I guess, I suppose. Anyway, moving on to the actors. Here we go. The actors. Big cast. Let's do this. Number one is Bill Hader. This is the 49th film credit of his that I've seen. It drops his average film range to a 58.39. It's his 12th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 41st best movie overall, coming in behind his voice role in Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, and ahead of his voice role in the Angry Birds movie. He has a value of 8.5, a score of 64.6 .6, to be ranked 205th overall. One spot behind Deneen Tyler and one spot ahead of James Flavin. Deneen Tyler, of course, who was in 12 Years a Slave and Dallas Buyers Club and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. 
James Flavin, who was in King Kong, The Grapes of Wrath, You Can't Take It With You, Mighty Joe Young, and others. Uh, yeah, Bill Hader is playing Adult Richie, and I, I, most of the reviews and, and responses and reactions have cited him as the best part of the film. I don't know if I would go quite that far as best part of the film, but he is certainly one of the one of the best parts of the film and one of the good parts of the movie. And his choices uh, regarding Richie and the progression of Richie's character from the first movie to this one uh, feel the I don't know feel the most in in, in tune with um, Finn Wolfhard's portrayal from it one. So, yes, thumbs up to Bill Hader. Next up is Jessica Chastain. This is the 32nd film of hers I've seen. It drops her average form rating to a 57.19. It is her seventh film, rated between 25 and 49, and 25th best movie overall. Coming in behind The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, colon, him, and ahead of The Zookeeper's Wife. She has a value of 3.5, a score of 57.32, to be ranked 577th overall, one spot behind Harry Snub Pollard, from Singing in the Rain and Johnny Belinda, and one spot ahead of Mark Webber from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and Green Room. Jessica Chastain plays adult Beverly, and the casting is great. I just don't... The progression for Beverly between the first film and this one uh, is frustrating, uh, her character arc in the first movie has a lot to do with her dad and the relationship she had with her dad. And this movie starts her in a position uh, that has essentially regressed back to the one she was in with her dad, perhaps even worse. And I don't have a problem with, you know, that being the situation that she's in, necessarily. But I just don't without any context of what took place over the last 27 years, without really knowing what happened and, and how she got to that point, it seems very convenient to give her this abusive relationship to escape from that she did in the first movie. You know, it kind of unwrites all the things in the first movie for me. So I, I wish... And it, and it kind of regresses her character to be this, you know, much... You know, she became this this stronger person in the first movie, in my opinion, and now she's not. Doesn't feel that way, isn't portrayed that way anymore. So, I love Jessica Chastain. I don't think she was the problem. I think it more has to do with her character and, and how her character was written. Next up is James McAvoy. This is the 31st film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film to a 56.1. It's his ninth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 25th best movie overall, coming in behind Becoming Jane and ahead of Killers Kill, Dead Men Die. He has a value of 3.5, a score of 56.2, to be ranked 656th overall. One spot behind Woody Strode from Spartacus and Once Upon a Time in the West, and one spot ahead of Ryan Hurst from Saving Private Ryan and Rango and Remember the Titans. James McAvoy plays Bill, uh, adult Bill. And I've seen people say that his performance wasn't that great. I thought it was fine. You know, I don't think it was bad. I, I think he did a lot of what um, Jaden Lieberherr did with Bill in the first movie. 
And again, like that's kind of where the issue is. You know, it seems like these characters either did not change at all, or changed, or, or, or changed by reverting back to a thing that they were, and that's just poor character development. Like you know, you can't if you have a if a if you have a ten step, you know, if if it's let's say in the sixth Harry Potter movie all of a sudden Harry was exactly the way he was in the first movie. That doesn't make any sense. So much stuff as time has passed, so many things have happened to him, he's experienced so much, so much, and now he's somehow still the same person he was five movies ago is stupid. And it would also not make sense if between the first and second Harry Potter movie, 10 years passed, and he was exactly the same at the start of the new movie as he was at the end of the last one. 10 years have passed. This does not make sense. And so I think that is what generally happened with all these characters. And frustrating uh, for me, to me. I think McAvoy is a fine actor. Uh, he's, he's done some really great work, and this is not really one of them. I think he more so than than Chastain or Hader, kind of lets down his character a bit. But again, I, I think most of the problems can be lobbed at the writing. Next up is Wyatt Olaf. This is the fourth film of his I have seen. It drops his average film rating to a 67. It is his only film rated between 25 and 49, and fourth best, fourth and worst movie overall, coming in behind Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. If you do not recognize the name of Wyatt Olaf, he plays young Stanley in both It movies, and he plays young Star-Lord in both Guardians of the Galaxy movies. That's that's his life. He has a value of 2, a score of 46.67, and is ranked 1,615th overall, one spot behind Paul Rubens, one spot ahead of Leslie Manville. Uh, I like Wyatt Olaf. Again, I like all the young actors in this movie. I think he does a fine job as Stanley, and I don't have any issue with it. Yeah, they're all good. No issue. Next up is Peter Bogdanovich. This is the ninth film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film to a 56.33. It is his second film, rated between 25 and 49, and seventh best movie overall, coming in behind The Other Side of the Wind and ahead of Lick the Star. He has a value of 0.5, a score of 46.59, to be ranked 1,627th overall. One spot behind Robert Hobbs from District 9 and Invictus. One spot ahead of Cynthia Nixon from Amadeus and Adam's Family Values and A Quiet Passion. Peter Bogdanovich plays a director in a film that Bill has written, and uh, he gets like one moment. And then we just move past it. Don't come back to him. Next up is Bill Skarsgård. This is the seventh film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 56.86. It is his only film rated between 25 and 49 and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Anna Karenina and ahead of Allegiant. He has a value of 1.5, a score of 45.72, to be ranked 1,738th overall, one spot behind John Cleese, one spot ahead of Richard E. Grant. Skarsgård, playing Pennywise, was so good in the first movie. Uh, I He was briefly on my list of best supporting performances in 2017 after It came out. So that was, you know, this time of year. And 
you know, at this time, you know, early September, we still haven't seen everything, but a lot of movies had come out by then, and I still thought he was one of the best supporting performances. He, he, he doesn't even, it's not even close uh, this year. And I don't know, I don't think that, you know, the, the competition is significantly stronger. I just think what he's given to do in It Chapter 2 is less menacing. He gets less, you know, it's it's strange because he gets more screen time, I feel like, in this movie. And yet he's able to do so much less with it. <clears throat> and maybe that's kind of how it is with a, with a horror character. You know, you don't want to see them that often. So that when you do, they can be scary, they can be menacing, they can be terrifying, and the more you see them, the less impactful they are in their movie. And I think that is absolutely what happens here. Uh, He, I don't know, he just kind of, he's not bad, he's still a good performance as Pennywise. I think he just kind of reiterates a lot of the stuff from the first movie and doesn't offer us anything new so it chapter two bill skarsgård pennywise moving on jack dylan grazer this is the fourth film credit of his i've seen it drops his average from 57 it's his only film rated between 25 and 49 and worst movie overall coming in behind beautiful boy he has a value of 0.5 a score of 38.5 to be ranked 2707th overall one spot behind mark addy and one spot ahead of Joe Beth Williams from The Big Chill or Poltergeist or Kramer versus Kramer. Um, Jack Dylan Grazer, who plays young Eddie. Um, man, I did not remember him being so like incredibly vulgar. And maybe he was. I didn't rewatch the first it before this. So he could it could be. But I feel like old Eddie played him super, super vulgar. Uh, which, I don't know, just kind of stuck out to me. But I think Jack Dylan Grazer... I don't know, he, he, he works better with the character as opposed to um, James Ransone, who played old Eddie. I think the casting is still spot on. I just think Ransone's performance goes a little too over the top. And, um, but Grazer's great. Grazer's good. He was, you know, he was good in Shazam. He's good in this. Jaden Lieberher, who apparently has changed his stage name to Jaden Martell. And I just don't like that. I don't know why he did that. I don't know. I like Lieberher. Leaving it Lieberher for now. He's still young. Uh, Jane Lieberher, this is the seventh film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 50.71. It's his only film, rated between 25 and 49, and fifth best movie overall. Coming in behind, playing it cool, parentheses, a many splintered thing, and parentheses, and ahead of Aloha. He has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 37.94, to be ranked 2,783rd overall. One spot behind uh, Jake Busey, and one spot ahead of Juno Temple. Jaden Lieberher, Young Bill, is, I mean, in this movie, he's fine. I thought he did a good job in the first It, uh, you know, playing the, you know, playing into the stutter, which pretty sure he does not actually have, 
and here he just uh, you know just has to do that all over again. So Jaden Lieberher. Next up is Xavier Dolan, the director. This is the sixth film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film to a 52.5. It's his third film, rated between 25 and 49, and worst movie overall, coming in behind Lawrence Anyways. He has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 37.88, to be ranked 2,789th overall. One spot behind Matthew Glave, who was in Argo and The Wedding Singer. One spot ahead of Molly Ringwald from The Breakfast Club. Xavier Dolan, who has directed many films, uh, some some pretty good ones, uh, shows up in this as Adrian in one of the opening sequences uh, as a as one of the one of a gay mem- one member of a gay couple. He is the more outspoken of the two men. If that refreshes your memory, have you seen have you have you seen the, if if you've seen the movie? And I don't know. I don't particularly like Xavier Dolan as a actor, so he's fine in this. He's fine. Next is Jess Wixler. Wixler. This is her seventh film credit, dropping her average film rate to a 49.57. It's her second film, rated between 25 and 49, and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Best Man Down and ahead of The Face of Love. He has a va- She has a value of negative two, a score of 36.56, to be ranked 2,963rd overall, one spot behind Ryan Felipe, and one spot ahead of Sienna Miller. Jess Weixler is... Uh, she plays Audra Phillips, who is, I don't remember. <sighs> mm, I think she's somebody's girlfriend, uh, question mark. Because nobody hears name ends in Phillips. I think she's somebody's girlfriend, but I, I think she might be Bill's girlfriend. But again, big question mark. Do not remember. Recognize the name, though. Seen her in other things. Uh, She's also been in um, The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. All of them. So there's that. Okay, moving on. Next up is Sophia Lillis. This is Sophia Lillis. This is her third film. Uh, dropping her average film rate to a 57 even. It's her only film rate between 25 and 49 and worst movie overall, coming in behind Nancy Drew and The Hidden Staircase. She has a value of zero, a score of 34.2 to be ranked 3,268th overall. One spot behind um, Tysa Farmiga and one spot ahead of Carrie Cahill, who was in Mudbound and Midnight Special and... Now You See Me and Battleship. Sophia Lillis as young Beverly is great. I thought she did a fantastic job in the first movie. Every scene she's in here is also good, uh, even if she's not you know, as prevalent in the second film. And yeah, I, I just love Sophia Lillis. I think she's one of the best parts of the first movie, which is, you know, had such high hopes for Jessica Chastain. And not that she let me down. I think just the writing did, but... 
Sophia Lillis. Next is Javier Botet. This is the 11th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 41.09. It's his third film, rated between 25 and 49, and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind The Conjuring 2 and ahead of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. He has a value of negative 7.5, a score of 27.27, to be ranked 3,979th overall, one spot behind Kim Basinger, and one spot ahead of Yelitsa Aparicio. Oscar nominee from Roma. Uh, Javier Botet is an interesting one. He plays a hobo and the witch, which are two horror creatures found in the film. Uh, He's a very tall guy who has played a lot of horror monsters in the past. He's been in The Mummy and Crimson Peak. He was in the first It. Alien Covenant, uh, Insidious, Mama, Slenderman. Very tall guy, does a lot of that stuff. Um, Yeah, Javier Botet. Next up is James Ransone. This is the 15th film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film rate to a 42.47. It's his 7th film rated between 25 and 49, and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind the next three days and ahead of Old Boy, the remake. He has a value of negative 11, a score of 26.47 to be ranked 4,054th overall, one spot behind Emma Tremblay, and one spot ahead of Elizabeth Hurley. James Ransone, as I mentioned, plays Old Eddie. I think he just plays him a little too hard. I, Yeah, that's all. I, I just think he goes a little too overboard in his characterization of Eddie, uh, who, again, feels like a character that has regressed... Um, back to his former self and i want to i want to say i get why this is happening you know you leave a place you forget what happened you come back you remember it all and now you kind of revert back into your old self from a thematic standpoint i understand why that happened i just think it 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 just frustrates me because it's not like they forgot what happened outside of dairy you know they still remember all that stuff uh, so I don't know why there isn't some changes, there aren't some differences. Uh, it just, you know, it kind of felt like they showed all the older actors the first It, watched, made them watch it on repeat over and over and over and over again, and just like, do that, but old. And there's more to it than that. And I, I just, yeah. Next is Jeremy Ray Taylor. This is the fifth film of his I've seen. It drops his average film rate to a 40 even. It's his only film rated between 25 and 49 and third best movie overall, coming in behind 42 and ahead of Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween. Jeremy Ray Taylor is young Ben. Uh, Old Ben is played by Jay Ryan, who I don't believe is on the spreadsheet because it's the only film he's ever been in. I knew they were going to, you know, slim down the Ben character, and I was kind of impressed by how much Jay Ryan looks like an older, slimmer Jeremy Ray Taylor. Like their faces are, are perfect. Again, the casting in this is phenomenal. Uh, Jeremy Ray Taylor wasn't really my favorite, one of my favorites of the Losers Club in the first movie. Could have you know, taken or leaving him. But his, you know, he, in the second movie, he's... Not very present, uh, at least not as Jeremy Ray. The J. Ryan uh, version of the character is definitely 
prevalent in the film. He's given a heightened role, almost, especially relative to Mike, who is again given the short stick, and we'll get to that when we get to Isaiah Mustafa. But, I don't know. Jeremy Ray Taylor is fine. He might, from a performance standpoint, might be my least favorite of the original kids, but it's been a while, and I might just not like his character. I don't know. I'm sure he, he not that he was bad. I mean, he's still good, uh, as all the kids were very good, just lesser. I don't know. Finn Wolfhard, third film credit of his I've seen, drops his average from 41. even. It's his only film rated between 25 and 49, and second best movie overall, coming, coming in behind it and ahead of Dog Days. He has a value of negative two, a score of 22.6 to be ranked 4,354th overall, one spot behind Jon Stewart, one spot ahead of Andrew Rannells. Finn Wolfhard, young Richie. Uh, you know, everybody loved Richie in the first movie. I thought he was really good. Um, second to Sophia Lillis for me. And the scenes he's in in this one are also good. Uh, you know, he's not given quite as much of much range and ra- uh, leash in the second film as he did in the first, since it's not really his movie. But... You know, he, he does what he can with the scenes he's given. Isaiah Mustafa. This is the fourth film of his I've seen. It drops, it increases his average film range to a 33.5. It's his second film rated between 25 and 49 and second best movie overall, coming in behind Horrible Bosses and ahead of Five Minutes. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 18.83 to be ranked 4,577th overall. One spot behind Kevin Durand, one spot ahead of Jacob Lattimore. Isaiah Mustafa, watching the film, I was like, that's the Old Spice guy. That looks like the Old Spice guy. Man, the Old Spice guy's in this movie. And then I came home, and I was like saying, telling my, my, my partner this, and she said, uh, she's like, I've seen the trailer. That's not the Old Spice guy. And I was like, what? Looks like the Old Spice guy. But okay. So then... Finally, I'm entering the data into the spreadsheet. I'm like, Isaiah Mustafa, this name is very familiar to me. And, like, the first line on his, his like, letterboxed biography or whatever is, like, most most people know him as being the Old Spice guy. And I'm like, it's the Old Spice guy. Friggin' knew it. Uh, that was really strange. You know, he's been in a couple of other things, but this was the first thing I, I like, recognized him in, picked him out of a lineup, and was like, oh, Old Spice guy looks exactly like him and it was so it was kind of strange but eventually you know i got over that and i think they he plays mike old mike they kind of position mike to get a little bit more of screen time than the first movie at first and then the deeper into the movie we get he just kind of becomes a punching bag uh which is really disappointing because young mike played by chosen jacobs was you know, given the short end of the stick. And old Mike also kind of gets the short end of the stick, which is frustrating. I think Isaiah Mustafa's okay. Uh, you know, I don't know that he really has the acting chops to pull off a big role anyway. You know, he's got his shtick as the Old Spice guy, and this is very, very different, so... Kudos to him for, for hitting something out, something else, doing something differently. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, 
I don't, I don't know how much of this comes down to the writing since his character was so tiny, but he was meh. Meh. And that's it. Those are all the actors that made the spreadsheet. Um, Stephen King has his own cameo in the film, which was fun, but forgettable. Okay, uh, moving on. No Oscar nominations. I don't expect it to get any, especially since the first one didn't. Uh, no Circle of Film Award nominations. Don't see any reason for it to get any. Into the Year. This is one of the 183 films I've seen from 2019. It is one of the 969 films I've seen in 2019. It drops the average rating of 2019 films to 41.12. It increases their tomato meter to 62.23. It is the 74th drama, 26th fantasy, and 24th horror film that I have seen from 2019. It drops the good to bad film ratio to 0.39, 43 to 111. One of the 111 bad films from this year already. As a three on the Beck test, it is part of the 49.18% of films that have passed the Bechtel test fully. And as an R-rated film, it is the 76th R-rated film from this year that I've seen. And it is the 87th film on my spreadsheet to get a 36 rating. 36. Uh, some of the other films that have received this score, The Sun is also a star from this year. Last year, you've got Hotel Artemis, Greta, Mowgli, uh, the Maze Runner, The Death Cure. Keep going back. Uh, you've got stuff like Life, uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Patriot's Day, da, 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 da. Maps to the Stars, Olympus Has Fallen, Dark Shadows, Sucker Punch, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, Yogi Bear, Ramona and Beezus. Julie and Julia, The Incredible Hulk, Shrek the Third, Saw Three, The Passion of the Christ, Van Wilder, Stuck on You, Max Keeble's Big Move, The Land Before Time, Seven, uh, Deep Blue Sea, and on and on and on. Halloween, H2O. <laughs> uh, lots of stuff. And, you know, not great company for It Chapter 2. So, yeah, I... <laughs> I liked the first one, and I, I just I was pretty let down by this one, uh, but had a big impact on the spreadsheet, and I'm always I'm always up for those things, and uh, that's it. Those are the those are the statistics for it colon chapter two. Thank you for listening. It does mean a lot. If you like to find more episodes, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, most places where podcasts podcasts can be found. You can also head over to the website circlefilm.com for the for all the other episodes and more. You can. Find me, follow me, talk to me, right in the show, on uh, at Circle of Film on Twitter, circleoffilm at gmail.com to email, or find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. If you like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe it, tell people about it, or really just listen. Uh, if you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circleoffilm. And for as little as eight cents an episode, you can get early access to the episodes that are recorded a day ahead of time or sometimes multiple days ahead of time uh, and eventually patreon only content 
so thank you for listening and as always have a week so long Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever, only out of place So long, farewell, oh, I'll be to say Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So long